Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Janice Dean Podcast. Thank you again for downloading and listening to the podcast every week. You know how much I love doing these interviews and the people I get to talk to. I have a lot of exciting topics and friends lined up for the weeks to come, so please stay tuned. Today, I'm honored to be joined by a true American hero. Marcus Luttrell wanted to be a Navy SEAL when he was 14 years old. Many people know of Marcus and his incredible life through the book he wrote about his time in Afghanistan with Operation Red Wing. Team 10 were assigned to a mission to kill or capture a high-ranking Taliban leader. Marcus was the only one that survived, and his book details his incredible true story about the journey and the will to survive. Lone Survivor also pays tribute to the men who didn't make it out alive and who paid the ultimate sacrifice. If you haven't read the book, I can't recommend it enough. It was also made into a movie in 2013 starring Mark Wahlberg as Marcus, and one that Mark says is the most meaningful role of his life. Marcus is a big fan of Fox and Friends and likes to message Brian Kilmeade during our show. One day when I was talking to Brian about him being my first guest on the Janice Dean podcast, Marcus texted Brian to relay the message that he was also available for an interview at any time and that he couldn't believe Brian made the Dean's list before he did. We set up a date to chat and as the interview was approaching, I thought it would be fun to talk to his wife, Melanie, too. We all met a couple of years ago when I was doing a story about Hurricane Harvey in Texas, which is where they live. And I remember thinking, now here's a couple that really love one another. And so they both agreed to talk to me together. And here's our conversation. You know, I want to start off by saying it's so funny because... When we started the podcast a few weeks ago, Brian Kilmeade was my very first guest. And, oh, that was good. Congratulations. Right. Thank you. And Brian showed me a text or he told me about the text that you, that you sent him during the morning show saying, well, if you're a guest on the Janice Dean podcast, I, I think I'd like to be a guest too. And I thought, well, of course you can be a guest on the Janice Dean podcast. I am honored to have you as a guest. It's a this is a little hidden. They don't know. It's a competition between me and Brian and, and Sean Handy on who can get number one in the cookbook and Steve's cookbook. And then I wanted to be the first one on the show, but it was announced that Brian was going to be, but whatever, you know, that's cool. I'll find something else. Oh my goodness. Well, listen, you can be, you can be a, a rotating guest and he can just sit and sit in the back. Hey, if you want me to be your in the field weatherman, I can do that. For you. <laughs> I know you could. I know you could. I mean, listen, you're out in Texas. You get all sorts of different weather. You've even sent me pictures when it snowed out there. Yes. Deal done. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's fun. So all funny. Right. Well, thank you again. Yeah. Uh, listen, of course. And Melanie told me, I love this about you, Marcus, that um, you take your kids to school every day. Yes, ma'am. That's a big deal for me. I, that's, that's, yes, I do that. Why? Why? What makes that so special for you? There are certain things I remember from a child that my father and mother would do. And you don't think about them when they're happy. And I think this is the greatest part about becoming a parent is, is when you look back and there were things that, you're, that you just overlooked, that you thought were commonplace. And I, I tried, because I, I, I think I'm, I, I, don't know this for a fact, but in my head all the time, I ask myself, is am I a good father? Am I a good, good father? Am I doing the right thing? Am I spending enough time with him? Am I spending too much time with him? Am I, am I too happy or am I mean enough or am I not, you know, that kind of thing, it, it, it weighs on me with them. 
So in the mornings at this time in their life, because they're about to start really, really growing, I want them to know that I love them <laughs> and that it was all, you know, when they become teenagers and I'm a little harder on them, I want them to know that there is a guy and there is a, there is a kind person. <laughs> yeah. And it's just fun. When you get them in the morning, they're not upset. You know, the day hadn't ruined them or whatever it is. They got in some kind of mood. It's just they're bright eyed and bushy tailed and it's just so much fun to be with them. Addie might be. She's a little grumpy in the morning. Well, I, I have a I have a uh, playlist that I put in every year from the time they, they started. We have a playlist that we kind of accumulate over the year. Like, let me listen to this. Let me listen to this. And uh, as soon as we get in, I have this whole procedure. It's almost like we're strapping into the space shuttle. I mean, I say all these words and phrases and they're back there buckling up and they're situating all their walk and everything like that. Say it. You get in the car and what do you say? Do you want to hear that? Yeah. Uh, okay. Let me see if you know where this is from. Okay. So I, 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 as soon as I get in, I say activating interlocks, dinotherms connected, infracells are up, mega thrusters are go. And then we blast off. I mean, I smash on the gas. We come hauling blood out of there. And, and after each thing, the kids say check. Check, yeah. So check, I'm like activating check, interlocks. Check. And, and what that is, is that's the key going into the ignition. The yep. dyno therms connect is when I crank that sucker up, right? And they're buckling up. <laughs> they're like, check, roger that. And just like we're firing up a spaceship. And um, I just want to make it fun. Yeah. I mean, they'll, hopefully they'll remember that uh, when they get older and they have kids. And I do it with the traditions, like for Christmas and all of the American holidays, which I think are phenomenal. <laughs> I kind of overdo it, hoping that some of them will stick, like some of the tradition, like all the lights, and then on, on Halloween, everyone dressing, you know, just. We're very Griswoldish. Right, yeah, when it comes to that. <laughs> just like uh, what Christmas vacation, right? Yes. Yes, ma'am. We're very, very much like that at our house. I love that. I really think that that is something we need to remind people to do, especially parents. You know, for me, my oldest son, I, I write lunchbox jokes, and I've been doing that for a number of years now, but my oldest doesn't want them anymore. My youngest still likes the lunchbox jokes, but I hope that even as they get older and they grow out of that kind of thing, that they do remember, because it's a moment where your kids are, you know, they're at school, they're at the lunch table, they're about to eat, and they see the note from mom, and it's like, I'm there with them. Do you know what I mean? I actually took your lunchbox notes yeah. when you were posting them on Instagram a few years ago. Yeah, we did that. I took your jokes and I did the same thing with my kids. So <sighs> I appreciate that you did that because I would have never thought I did write them notes because that's what my stepmom when I was little, she always wrote me a note and put it in my lunchbox. But it was always just, you know, have a good day with a smiley face or something like that. But I love the jokes because it just adds in a little laugh for them. And then they can tell their friends. That's what I love is ones that they say, oh, my Andrew D. loved this joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, the minute they start complaining about the jokes in the lunchbox, put two. Yeah. <laughs> then you put two. In. And, and you know why? Because who cares what they think? You're the parent. I mean, when, I, when we're driving down the road, Adelaide sits in the back. And they all have positions. So as soon as we hit the road, she has a phrase. She's like, big road rolling, windows up. So all the windows have to go up. And we turn on the radio. And then when I drop them off, we pull into the schoolhouse. It's like a, it's like a parachute jump. I'm like, all right, get ready to jump in 30 seconds, right? They, <laughs> the the seatbelts come on. And then they're getting their packs ready. And they're scrummaging around. It's the funnest thing, man. And then when they get back, at, at we have discipline for them. We have their homework and everything like that. But I always, we're sitting around the dinner table. I'm like, all right, who's the first person you saw? What were they wearing? 
we're in a good mood or in a bad mood. You know, I kind of quiz them on stuff that obviously they're not going to remember the answers to right now. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times they'll ask them and they'll get frustrated because they won't remember. They're not supposed to. They're still learning. Mm-hmm. And it's just for them to start thinking about stuff because they know I'm going to ask them when they get home. Yeah. And he just wants them to be observant, observant yeah. of what's their surroundings and what's going on. But... I, I kind of had to teach myself to teach them to be Navy SEALs without giving, without doing that <laughs> the way I was taught. I don't know if that, that's like the Miyagi way. I'm, I'm trying to teach them where they don't know that I'm teaching them. Because yeah. I'm merely for protection and enforcement. I really don't come in unless Mel raises her voice or she says, like, I can hear her say something twice to the kids. That's when you're going to hear me. <laughs> Other than that, I stay out of her way. Right. They know right. to not, it's very rare that I ever have to raise my voice because they know if I do, dad's coming. And they'll give me that look like, mom, don't, don't do that. Yeah, they know the next tone out of her voice is going to summon the Kraken. I, I, don't, I don't mess around. It's, it's one thing about being a parent when Mel and I were getting into this. I was like, hey, look, honey, you're going to do this part and I'll be right here on this and I'll maintain it. You know, I'll do the discipline so you don't, you don't have to. And, uh, but she still does. I'm talking to the, to the level to where there shouldn't be a problem uh, at all. And I, and, um, it works well. I mean, they're, they're, they're great. We have a lot of fun doing it. We learn more about each other. Actually, that's a great part about our, our marriage is we, we learn a lot from them, watching the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's the best part. Well, and it dates back to like what we experienced when we were kids. Marcus, his childhood is 100 hundred percent opposite of mine i mean you couldn't get more opposite from my childhood so it's definitely a learning thing and we learn how to mesh those two worlds together and make it work why are they different why are they different melanie i grew up with a single dad and my dad was like my best friend he wasn't an enforcer but i never he never had to because i'm talking about like up till like 11 years old, you know, like that, those formative years, mm-hmm. like he just, he was very, very loving. We did a lot of fun things together. We'd go to the park, we'd go, you know, it was just, it was fun where Marcus had very strict parents and a, like a routine. Um, like they ate dinner at the table every night and they, they had like more of the normal family life, but very, very strict mm-hmm. where, I had zero routine. We ate on the go. Uh, my breakfast was usually a honey bun from the gas station. Like it was, <laughs> and our dinners were McDonald's Big Macs or whatever. Like we we just had completely different childhoods. And and he grew up with a dad that told him, "I'm not your best friend. I'm your father." Mm. Where my dad was it was my best friend and he and we did everything together so it's just it was just very very different i mean think about that miss dean i mean and how it worked out so i was raised in a good household like what you would think the parents the dinner and my parents were extremely difficult on me mm-hmm. extremely my mother still is <laughs> you know my mother what are we even talking about you know exactly what i'm talking about <laughs> And she and I turned out this way. And, and she lives with us. And she, yeah. And so Mel came from the opposite, right? She came from a, her parents were cool, cool to her, but life was hard. And she turned out this way. So hmm. we're kind of under the impression is like, man, if you come from a wealthy family, if, if you have, if you have, if you're blessed to be wealthy parents, your kid needs to drive the junker car to yeah. keep them humble. And you need to be mean, not mean, but forceful. I mean, disciplinarians. Mm-hmm. I mean, my father was mean. I don't even know. I'm not taking that word out, man. I was scared to death of that man. 
I still am, and he's dead. <laughs> I mean, he, he haunts me from heaven. And I, it's the funniest thing, but I love him more nice. You taught me. Now I see why. Because, mm. mm. I mean, he had to deal with me and my brother. Yeah, twins, right? I mean, that was something to... Yes, uh, do, yes, you, do you have all those stories about how you tried to fool people? Is, is that a real thing? Of course it is. <laughs> still is. We still do that. <laughs> we did it the other day. We're still doing that. Really? <laughs> but you're... That's a secret. Yeah, that's a secret to our power. Yeah, we have a lot of fun with that. I mean, we, if the Lord blesses you with an identical mirror, you better use it. Marcus has been clean shaven for a year, and I freaking love it. His He looks like 20 years younger, and it's just awesome. But now that Morgan's about to, you know, the election's coming up, Marcus grew, I can see the strategy. He grew his beard out. Well, to you're not supposed to tell them that. Anybody can see it. Oh, okay. They, he grew his beard out to look just like Morgan, because you could tell them apart when Marcus was clean shaven. Yep. But now okay, he's so, got, they have the exact same beard. So I only like, feel like hmm. this is fairness in the family. And Janice, if you wouldn't please just tell me what you think about this too, because I've been in y'all's. So my deal when I got back, I had to, I was catapulting to y'all's world. Like the media. Media and, yeah. and Hollywood. And, and that's what I had I have to go through. Mm-hmm. And I loved every second. Y'all taught me so much about myself. I mean, we're still together. I'm still talking to you. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, what do we, what do we, so now my brother has to do the political world. And I'm so thankful that I got to be with y'all as opposed to what he has to go through. Oh. I mean, I but was... it doesn't, I'm not going to have a good time with that being his identical twin. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to grow my beard out and I'm going to look just like him and walk around waiting for someone to walk up to me and mistake me for him. That's just funny. What, you know what I'm talking about? I was like, Hey, because I've earned my respect. It happens every day. But right? It happens all the time. I was like, be careful what you say to me now, because yeah. I'm not the one you think I am. See, I think you could do a whole commercial for his campaign doing something okay, like that. So I, we've already thought about happens. it. Yeah, I'm gonna, I started my own podcast called The Congressman's Brother. Yes. I'm, I'm just kind of, but because I look just like him, I'm going to do my own commercials about him. And I can do that because I'm an American citizen and I pay my taxes and I vote. <laughs> not my fault I look like your congressman. And I mean, we're gonna. Have, I, I, I'm gonna make fun of my brother like nobody else can. If you have some good gouge on my brother, send it to the younger brother because I'll use it. I mean, I got some high school pictures I've been sitting on. Younger by seven minutes. Yeah, wow. but still, you made my life living hell growing up, man. It was awesome. So now it's my turn to have a little fun with it. I think. <laughs> so he's in the political arena. Is that something that you would ever think about doing? Okay. He says no, no but I say if. If people wrote Marcus's name into the governor ballot, <laughs> we would do it. But he will not campaign. You, you don't understand. <laughs> and I, I want to make this perfectly clear. The life that I've been blessed with, I mean, y'all blessed me with since y'all brought me back. And, and what I get the to US do. US people. The, the American people. Yeah. yeah. Hell, he, when we leave America. No, nah, I mean, I just y'all are so good to me. Hmm. I, I mean, I don't even have words to describe it. And if I went into that world, it would, I, I think, I don't want that much power. I wouldn't want that. I, you know, that's just too, y'all cut me enough slack as it is, man. I don't know if I. Yeah, we would never run. I, yeah, Marcus I would never would do never that. Run I, just, for I feel office. like I was supposed to do that. Morgan's got the pedigree for that. You know, he's got all the college degrees and he's very, just much, an very much in that. Yeah, into that, he can handle that world. I, you know, I. 
Yeah. I don't know. People have been asking me that more and more. And my answer is always that. I just. Yeah. Marcus always says no, but I always say if he, if, you know, the um, governor, is it the governor or the president of the Philippines? I think it's the president of the Philippines. He didn't run a campaign. He said, if I don't run, I'm not going to run. I'm not going to spend money on, you know, fundraising and all that kind of stuff. But if y'all yeah. write uh, my she, name in the ballot. This is what she's trying to do. She's trying to get me stuck in that position. <laughs> she's trying, like, when I don't even run, she's going to put me in there. And like, if I get nominated, I have to do it. Yeah. That's, that's how they're coming at that's me with what it. I'm, I'm saying. Not, I'm saying if the people no way. <laughs> wanted him and they wrote his name in the ballot and he won, then yes, Marcus would do it. Because then it's like, it's a God thing. But no, we would never do a campaign. I think campaigns are so ugly and tricky. We saw it just with Morgan's campaign running against the other Republicans was so tough. They, they lie. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's actually no fact checking in, um, in these negative ads mm -hmm. and it's terrible. I freaking hate it. I would get so mad. I think I got more mad than Marcus and Morgan. Cause I'm like, this is not true. Mm -hmm. How can they print this and send mailers when it's a hundred percent false? Mm -hmm. That shouldn't be able to be done. And they do it and they, they do it to, like, it's, it's your own side doing it. And that's right, what so drives here, me crazy. Here's the deal with me and my brother growing up. There are a few of us down here that are, are designed to, to police all of y'all. It's like our whole lives, when we worked security, we were bouncers, lifeguards, and we would work in the places where everyone showed up, like both sides, right hand, left hand. Y'all getting into all this bickering and calling each other names, that's what really bothers me. Mm -hmm. You know, you can talk to somebody and you don't have to be mean about it. You can yeah. even make a point and insult. So the British are great at this. <laughs> they can insult you and, and, you, and you're happy to have it happen. Yeah. Cause they're so dang pleasant about it. <laughs> my brother and I, my brother, my brother and I grew up in the place where we, we look at things that you say, whatever you want about me. I expect that. Mm. Matter of fact, people have been trying to kill me my whole life. <laughs> that's my job is to make sure y'all have a good time. Minute you don't, I'll set you aside. But at least say something that's true. But well, that our people are worked up. And when you get Americans worked up, I know this for a fact. They don't want to hear no bit. They don't want. They don't. The first, they don't want in your business, and they don't want to hear your business. And when they get mad about something, they have to vent that. Until that happens, man, it's just going to go like this. Mm -hmm. Somebody literally has to take a step back. I'm the only one who can say this. I know it. I've earned my that. Yeah. I'm like, look, y'all need to calm down. You understand me? Because if you don't, we'll get to a world to where I exist again, and y'all don't want that. Because there are things that live in this country that are scary. Mm. Our people can be freaking scary. Yeah. So if the leaders don't, if the adults in the room, I'm talking to the adults, y'all don't take time, calm down, quit calling each other names, doing all that silliness, quit being ugly to each other. Mm -hmm. Y'all need to stop doing that. Yeah. Talking I'm talking to everybody. Yeah. I'm talking to everybody. I mean, we, we need to stop doing that. I do that too. It's okay. And that's what happens when we get worked up. And as Americans, you know, we can calm down to that. And we're just going through our transition right now. And the cool part about my brother, man, is we're like, we're designed for that. Mm-hmm. If anybody who gets spin around the axle because somebody called me a bad name, man, that's not the guy you want leading something. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I think we have to get back to uh, some kindness. You know, I, I really believe that human beings, the kind people outweigh the nasty ones. But it's unfortunate that we're hearing more of the nastiness than the kindness. And... If we just listen to each other, we come to a place where we're, you know, listening from 
opposite sides. You know, things can get done. But I, I am afraid that we're in this place right now. And you talk about politics. You know, this last year, people have asked me, well, what you've done with your family and, you know, taking a stand on on what you think is right and, and what's wrong. Why don't you run for politics? But I feel that it right now is a blood sport. And I don't know that I have the thick skin that one would need to do something yeah. like that. But we need people like you that are kind hearted. Not everybody with thick skin has a good heart. Mm. I was always taught, I, know, I got pure heart, wicked mind, and an appetite for destruction. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If you don't think for one second the last 20 years of our life have designed us for something, yeah, you, you, you missed the point. Mm. We're talking about 20 years of wars, two of them, plus a lot of skirmishes. This is what happens to our generation. Yeah, They set us away. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. Listen, I hear you. I do. And you come from a place of experience where you've seen the worst in humanity and you've seen the best. And so let's, you know, talk about that. Um, All that you've been through, Marcus, and, and you go across the world and you talk about your experience. You were able to write a book about it. You were able to, you know, have a movie published about a movie put out there about uh, the words that you put on a page that you experienced. And I think people need to hear those stories, Marcus, because we are in a place right now where it's like sometimes you just need a glimmer of hope. And your story is ultimately about hope, I think. Well, I appreciate that. I do. It's, it's almost as if, all right, we're all family. I know that y'all don't. That's why I don't argue back, and I don't. I don't yell back. No matter how much you come at me, I I, I realize there's a love there. It's just like a if you if you're with your best friend or your brother, and they get mad, no matter what they do, you're gonna be like, all right, you know, I freaking love you. The way I always looked at it is when we, y'all brought me back from hell, and I, I went and got my ass whipped so bad. When I come back, it's almost as like imagine that was you doing that. And now when I talk, when I'm telling you, it's like, hey, look. There's some bad things out there. We can get to that if you want to, but just take my word on this. Let's just calm down a little bit and everybody start trying to get along. You just mm-hmm. got to, some of us have to swallow some ego and get rid of some pride. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. Power, man, an absolute power that can corrupt you. And you, you, you see that when you turn on TV, you can tell people who, who don't, who weren't born with it and get it overnight. They abuse it. You can see that immediately. And everybody knows what I'm talking about. So with us, especially Americans, because we transfer our power every four years. It's amazing what we well, do we, here, you know? It's, we transfer the, the, the head shed of yeah, yeah. power, the, but then the, you've got all the... Everybody other, running it. Yeah, everybody, that's right. So well, when all the cousins... have been in for 30 freaking years. Mm-hmm. That, that, that is crazy. We sh- there should never be someone in a powerful position for more than the people that are voting it's been over their lifetime, like the new voters. Well, <laughs> that here, shouldn't happen. Here's the best way I can explain that is imagine we, if we're all the families in the house, you got grandparents on down. Well, the average age of the Congress and the Senate and the people up there are our grandparents age. Mm-hmm. So when the millennials, the kids start talking to them or arguing, they're not going to listen to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that. What grandparent, you know, oh, baby, I love you. Here's some ice cream and a bunch of money. <laughs> Shut up. Mm. That's what's happening. <laughs> and then the other side tries to enforce the rules. 
Well, then you have us in the middle. I call us the 78s, right? The 70s and 80s babies. Yep. We're the ones that got trapped in 9-11. Yep. Like the war is just kind of just, well, now you're seeing an integration back. Like we're, we're in a transitional period. You know that when our billionaires started measuring their libido by their rocket ships, hmm. all right? Like we're going through something. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you think about it like that, I was like, yeah, they say things that don't resonate. And that's not really their fault, man. It's just, it's an age, there's an age thing. Everyone living longer. I mean, there's more things on the ground here running around. So, and I know it's easy to get upset, man. It's so easy to get mad. And I'm only coming from this because I've seen everything die around me. Mm. And I mean, once you've seen that happen, I mean, argue that when you start looking at what y'all are really arguing about, what we're really arguing about, you know, it's kind of, it's trivial, really. Mm-hmm. Really, but um, it's not like we're not going to get through this. We are, we're Americans. It's gonna, we're going to make it. But we do need people like you, Janice, that are in office that can counteract, you know, the other super thick-skinned people. Yeah, like, what do you think? The last three years of your life? What's, what yeah. year is it? Is it twenty? Whatever. When COVID started, watching, we watched you. Yeah, and what you've stood up for, we do. You got that. thick armor now, and everybody knows it. We watched yeah. you go through your trial. So I mean, we watched you. you yeah, what are you talking about? You have thick skin, <laughs> Mother Nature. Yeah. You turn on that hurricane side of you like you did when they hurt your family. Yeah. Everybody's seen that side of you. Now we've seen the sunny side and when they upset you. Mm-hmm. And look what you did, man. You made a point. It was a real one and you got it done. I saw everyone's in it and everybody's really asking out here in the field. You know, all our people really want is some responsibilities and some integrity. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever y'all say, it better be right. Mm-hmm. And that's a true mama bear. It's like, right? yes, you can be as nice and kind-hearted and show people the best side of you. But once you F with our family, I mean, and family meaning, I mean, our whole country, then yeah, the there might be a little scary side that comes out. And you've proven that you will stand up for good. It's not just standing up in something that you think is right. It's what is right. And it's what should be done and, right. and nothing's getting done about it, but we need people that will stand up for good. Well, I feel grateful um, that I'm able to have a voice that I was able to call out government. And the reason I'm able to do that is because of people like you, Marcus Luttrell, who go and fight with the best intentions and, and give me the right to talk about an injustice that happened to my family. So I owe you a great debt of gratitude for what you've done. There's your, hey, there's your campaign poster. I owed Marcus and Melanie. <laughs> <laughs> well, they made me do it. <laughs> I, I want to talk. Hey, man, we, we watch everybody on TV and we kind of see everybody who, uh, how you act and everything like that. So if we're telling you that you're the right person for the job, you know, we just don't say that. <laughs> you don't say that lightly. Well, listen, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm not writing it off. It's not going to happen now, but I, I do think about it because I do I think that people that get into politics because something happened to them and it makes them want to, you know, do better for others. I think those are the right reasons. Um, So I'm not saying never, uh, maybe just not this go around and we'll see what happens in the midterms and and what happens. You you said that perfectly. It's like, you know, we expect our politicians. I was talking to my brother about this. Hey, man, our people are going to beat your ass. Just because they want to see if you can take it. And then once you get into the position where you can tell us what to do, 
we kind of like want to get our shots in before that happens. Yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of the way it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an American thing. And uh, with you, most people who go into that realm, they try and tell everybody what they went through so we can relate. We actually watched you go through it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's people out there just had to see you go through this. Mm-hmm. That's a huge difference than a lot of people that we have so far. It really is. I mean, you, you say your name and it's synonymous with, 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 those, with that. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sorry you had to go through that, but I'm not. I mean, it definitely made you what you are, powerful. And it's the one thing I've learned about advocacy is it's not a a tomorrow or a next week or a next month. It's a forever. You're going to be doing this forever. And, you know, in a in a sense, you are also, you know, somebody who advocates and goes out and talks about what happened to you and uses that as a tool to help others. I mean, that's what you do, Marcus. I mean, do oh, yeah, you? That's perfect way of saying it. That's my weakness. You want to know what my weakness is? Jaw. <laughs> I won't pick a side because every once y'all got me back, I had it. I didn't know who was who. I, I didn't have that. I didn't think about it like that. You got to understand. But I mean, what, whatever. What, what y'all brought back was completely different than what in there. What went in. So I can't judge you by anything other than my life. That's 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 all I can look on. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason I really can't go into one of those positions because I won't pick a damn side. How did you guys meet? How did you meet? Oh, it's the best story. I've done. Tell me. Uh, a very short side of it, so we don't take all of your time, is my dad um, had gotten involved in his foundation. It was just starting up. Mm-hmm. And um, I think dad was like the first big donor of the I think as I knew that was my end too, because her yeah. dad already signed off on me. Yeah, he was like the, he did like the, he I didn't know that though. I didn't know her. I right. didn't see her. There this. So I knew about him as this retired Navy SEAL because my dad had like talked about him. She, like, she thought I was a Vietnam guy. She thought I thought I was he older. was old because dad kept saying um, a retired Navy SEAL. And I didn't understand that you could be retired and young. Yep. So I was like, okay, cool. And um, just going along with it. And, um, I had sent him a message on Facebook and this was back when he didn't have a uh, profile I picture. I have a smartphone or anything it like that. It was that like, little gray, uh, <laughs> I still had to log into the internet to get a text message. Do you remember those days? <laughs> I do. <laughs> okay. It, check. So this was like when he, it was just like the standard little, um, profile picture that comes with Facebook. He didn't have his picture on there. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking, yeah, of course he's old. He doesn't even know how to upload a freaking picture on his profile. And I, um, so I sent him a message saying, um, thank you for your service. It was Memorial day. And I just said, thank you for your service. You probably have no idea who I am, but my dad talks about you nonstop. Um, I just want to, you know, thank you. And I'll see you at your gala, like the inaugural gala, whatever was coming up. And he sent me back a message because we had a mutual, we didn't know this, but we had a mutual friend and that friend had just told Marcus about me mm. and um, Marcus was like, I know exactly who you are and uh, yeah, well, we need to meet before that or whatever. So we started 
I didn't see a picture in yeah. there. You were just texting back yeah. and forth. So we okay. Were text, started texting, and then we started talking on the phone. And I was traveling at the time. I was in Belize at the time. And I'd just gotten back from Africa. Mm-hmm. So we, it was just a lot of phone calls and text messages. And this sounds so cheesy. And if any of my sisters said this, I would be like, you're crazy. But I fell in love with him over the phone. Hmm. And um, I even called my grandma and was like, I think I'm going to marry this man. She's like, who is he? <laughs> I said, why? I don't even really know him, but I just, I don't know. I have this like gut feeling that he's the right man. And so we ended up meeting on a blind date blind date. Uh, Cause we hadn't seen each other's pictures yet. And then actually that's not true. I sent, I Googled him and there was a picture of all these tattoos <laughs> And I was like, what the heck? Because I would have never dated a guy with a bunch of tattoos. (laughs) And um, That's a true story. Yeah, but I was like, I'll just give this a shot. But I'm glad I saw that before meeting him because I don't know what I would have thought when I saw it in person. It's too late by then. (laughs) But then when we met, it was literally like sparks flying. We just instantly knew. I'll never forget. Remember she was wearing, how she was looking, where she was standing to... Mm-hmm. Crack that smile. She's got. She has a smile she gets when she's truly happy. I, and I've worked for it every day of my life. It's only happened like three times. And uh, yeah, we had dinner. I asked her to marry me that night. I moved in the next day. Yeah, I knew it, man. I, I hauled my he brother. Really, that's not a joke. He am. came to my house the next day with everything he owned in his truck and moved into my house the next day. I love it. I love that story because Steve Ducey, I just talked to him, and he he had the same kind of story about his wife is their first date. He told her. He was like, Kathy, I know this sounds silly, but I, I'm i going to marry you someday. And she was like, okay, uh, it's time to go. <laughs> yeah, I forgot to go. Yeah, he actually asked me to go home with him from the dinner, and... I had a son and my son was being watched by a babysitter. So I was like, no, I got to go home. Um, and no, I wouldn't just go home with you. Um, and my son was, uh, going out of town the next day camp or something. And I, so I said, you can come over tomorrow after, you know, this time or whatever. And, um, he came over (laughs) and that was it. Mm. Um, so when I, when he, he had texted me and said, this will be the last time you ever leave anywhere without me. Oh, and that was true. my line. Yeah, that was. Matter of fact, line. if you see that in a couple of movies that have just come yes. out, that is my line. I use that, yes. and I've so no, I'm just taking stake claim to that. In Top Gun, they really? That exact same line. <gasps> oh my gosh, because we've told this story before. I'm like, someone just told me. Which is fine if Tom Cruise <laughs> uses it, because you know I think. From what I understand, he just saved America by making the best movie ever made since the 80s, apparently. I haven't seen it yet. It's yeah. good. I, it's good. I look, saw I, it. I've had every one of my buddies call me and tell me that, and then, including the pilots. Mm-hmm. And pilots hate movies about wow. pilots. They, just, they, don't, they don't like that at all. Because yeah. no one can ever, Anyways, you know what I'm talking about. But they signed off on this one, Tom. So I, I, I saw it and I loved it. And as soon as I heard that, I text Marcus. I'm like, they stole your freaking line. Oh my goodness. Well, I think that's the biggest flattery, you know, you could have. Marcus, I read somewhere that you didn't watch the whole movie about your, about no, what happened. Is that true? That's true. Yes, man. Is it, is it? I, so- I, I, well, it was funny. 
so I, I was blessed with the, the cast and the crew and how everyone took care of me. Sometimes we're still friends today. And I, I mean, close. Right. So I, they, Pete was real protective of me. Mm-hmm. And then Mark come to find out they all were, I didn't know that they wouldn't show that to me, that side, <clears throat> uh, especially Pete. So if there was something going down, he would, he would, he would fight. It's not that he would tell me to leave. He'd find something for me to do real smart about this actually. And, um, Pete is the director of the director. Yes, ma'am. Peter Berg. Okay. And, uh, great man. You're talking about when they were making. Movies. Yeah. What, yeah. What's she she's talking about? talking about when you're re- you actually watching it on the big screen. Well, no. yeah, that's where I'm going. Yeah, yeah. That's where I'm going. It's like um, he just wouldn't let me watch it because he had me doing something else. And then we always laughed about. It. I was like, man, I have the I have the the director's the uncut version in my head. Like I've seen it, and I you know what's on the screen, and it had to be filmed a certain way because that's when everyone was alive and we and during the gunfight and everything like that. So and um. I mean, he sat through the dude, movie. Dude, broken part. Yeah, it's yeah. it's got. I never sat down and watched the, yeah. the whole thing. And when you're making a movie too, you watch some of the scenes so many times that, that you just don't. Yeah. I don't know how it worked out that way. I was sure it was by design, but no, yeah, that's a true story. Mm-hmm. But when, like, during the the year, I call it the year of marketing because it was the year of the movie before it came out. We had we were on the road nonstop, like showing it to different groups, and he would sit through it, but he wouldn't watch it. He'd mm. either be on his phone or he'd fall asleep or whatever. He just, he I wouldn't, um, he just wouldn't watch it. And you have to understand, and Marcus would never say this, but it was hard on him. Of course. That is very emotionally difficult. And um, in going through all of those um, marketing screenings that we did, that was a really tough year. Yeah. Um, so he, no, he didn't watch it like with his eyes open, but we were in the theater multiple times. Yeah. Oh, I was there for sure. Yeah. No, listen. I, I, I mean, I, they kept us around. As a matter of fact, they, they lit, it was the only thing that seals signed off on that we could use other seals on the set to make sure it was done right. Huh. Verbiage, everything. That's good. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Well, we have permission from the top all the way down. I mean, and now that it's later in the years, you don't even know, man, I've been protected on high ground my entire life. I mean, the SEALs never watched out for me like you couldn't believe. And I didn't make a move without them. Yeah, the first marketing screening that we did was down in Coronado was for, them. for the admirals. Um, all of the, there's like, I don't know how many active admirals there are at a time, but they were all there. And all like the head I mean, guys was- in the Navy, like in the SEAL teams. And they were all there, and um, all the secretaries had to watch it. Yeah, I mean, they had to... Peter Berg showed it to them first. Actually, that's not true. He showed it to the families first, and then he showed it to like the headshot of the SEAL team. Because mm-hmm. I think about. I, I, I just I don't know why this popped into my head, but I'll give it to you. Yeah. The, we were in. We were watching a film. I don't remember who it was with. I think it might have been. I know Melanie was in there. My mother. It might have been my family watching it for the first time up there. And this is how I knew that maybe I had been through something that was pretty bad because when we got done and watched it, Melanie just came over and hugged me and she wouldn't stop mm-hmm. hugging me and she's crying real bad. And I was like, was the movie that bad? And she's like, no, oh. you know, she just felt sorry for me. That was the very first and I was like, screening that we saw. She saw how bad I got beat up and how, you know, what kind of gave an insight of what had happened. Mm-hmm. Cause even when I try and tell you the story, I tell it with a, with an integrity, with a, with a, there's a joyful integrity of being able to, to describe to you what I went through with those guys. And that's an honor thing for me to, to tell that story. But uh, it, was, yeah, it was horrible. 
Because I think I think about like my husband losing his firehouse on 9-11. I think if there was a movie about that, there's no way he would be able to sit there and watch it. I mean, I I get that. It's it's very traumatic. Um, Is when you when it comes around to anniversary time and I ask this just because of my own personal um, what I've gone through with Sean being his partner, his wife. Is there he goes through this sort of I can tell it's like a week before, you know, and he admits it. He's quick to get angry. Uh, he's I wouldn't say depressed, but there is something in the air, you know, when there's a anniversary coming up and it's it's really difficult and it doesn't get easier. It doesn't seem to. Have you found that that happens, too, when it comes around to the anniversary of what you went through and that terrible that terrible tragedy with all of your friends. Yes. So you don't want to be around me when this, when that week comes around. Yeah. Every, something dies. Yeah. And I mean, something close to me. Mm-hmm. Last year it was Rigby. Mr. Rigby, my, my service canine died on that day. Mm. So it's to some people down here. Yeah. Anniversary dates are stamped on you. Like you can't believe I got one of them on me. Yeah. And, and it's a real thing. It's been documented. I mean, you, I mean, there's witnesses. You can see it. Yep. So I usually leave. Like my my buddies will grab me and we'll leave. Or, uh, just go to the ranch. or I'll just go to the ranch and hide out for a week. You know, a lot of people want him. I know it sounds funny, but this really happens to me. No, I believe it. I believe it. To do events that week. And that drives me insane. I'm like, do you realize what the emotional burden that this week has on him? And I'm usually the, the bulldog that just says no. Yep. Um, but, and they, they don't understand it. And they're like, right, you could be raising money for this, this, and this. I, I don't care. No. Nope. I care I don't more think that about like, my As a matter of fact, if I'm with you on that week, you need to worry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because boss sent me in to tell you that it's coming down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, or something like that. That's, that's the way it works for me. Yes. Yeah, so it's yeah. or what's around me. It's not me. It's what's around me. Actually, this last year is the only time we ever – Marcus ever traveled that week and it was to the grand opening of the um, Michael Murphy Museum in Long Island. Yes. Um, The Seal Museum. Yes. And that was a really tough tough decision though, because yes, it's for Michael Murphy and all of that, but Marcus is still affected. Even all these years later, it still affects him, but he did, he did end up traveling for that, but normally and from now on, he will not travel that week. It's just, we call it the dark, dark yeah, week. Yeah, and I think that's <laughs> for y'all's benefit, not mine. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not kidding about that. I don't, and I, I'm not saying that jugglingly or hard. I just, it just proofs in the past. Mm-hmm. And I love the relationship that you have. Um, I had Scott Mann talking about his, he talked about bringing home some of the Afghan allies uh, from his tours in Afghanistan and his wife Monty was in the studio and she was just sitting there and she's very protective. I I think of that relationship that you guys have very protective of her husband and wants to be there for him. And I just, I got her on the microphone and I just think it's really important that we support our guys and what they've been through there. It's a very important role that we have, Melanie. Um, it's very protective. Um, we are, we are, we can be bulldogs, and we will be. And I'm, I'm so grateful to be able to 
do that for him. And I, I know that you feel the same way about your husband. Yes, for sure. It, it definitely takes, if a lot of these guys that are coming back that have also have traumatic days that are anniversaries or whether it was, you know, the guys stateside 9-11 or the guys that were in war, if they're not married, they need someone an accountability partner that will help them. Yeah, we're trained that way. Like you have to for, have for, for the record, by the way, if you, if you take that away. Yeah, like in the SEAL teams, they call it a swim buddy. You always have an accountability partner. And in the teams, it's, that's your swim buddy. When we got married, we were like, okay, we're swim buddies for life. Hmm. You have to have that accountability partner that will help you say no, where yes. it's not on you. Um, because it's hard for the guys to say no. And it's we don't talk about this part either, but we're always a pair. Mm -hmm. If you were ever removed from your buddy, it's because he was dead or you screwed up so bad. So what it, whatever it is you're going through, it's like an independent punishment. So when guys get separated and life gets hard, it's like, man, you automatically think you screwed up and you don't even know why. Because mm -hmm. you're getting pounded by life and, and we're designed for that. Yeah, but the minute you put a companion in there, it shifts our focus. And that's how all... And every one of us are like that. It's, it's in our training. It's how we're brought up. So when we go into combat, it's not like you always make sure you got your right and your left, but nothing else doesn't matter to us. So we'll just sit there and take it. But spouses should think of themselves as that swim buddy or whatever you want to call it. Like, even if they're going through a hard day or whatever, don't think about yourself. Think about your spouse and what's best for them and be their accountability partner always. Hmm. Yeah, I had to. Well, I, I started to do that when we got married. I was like, she's the admiral, <laughs> which means she out, I can't talk back. You can't talk back to an admiral. Can't yell at them, can't, can't hit them. <laughs> Always trying to make them happy. Whatever she says, do, I gotta go get done. She didn't tell me how to do it. You know, she'd come back in with that later, but, and with that mindset, because it was drilled into me. I was mm -hmm. like, all right, age is ranked and so is the wife. Man, I'm, I'm I here. I am not older. No, no. I, yeah, I didn't mean it. like she's way younger than me, but I. Uh, Three years younger. I was trying to hook you up. Yeah. Stay right there. We'll have more of this story coming up. What <laughs> What would you say if your if your kids decided to, you know, serve? What What would you say to them? Probably start calling them names and beating them to death. No, I, I, uh, no. Well, so it's not. We don't push that on that. Yeah. Push it. It's not. It's not a mandatory thing. But um. I'm kind of, I watch to see what direction they go. And when they get interested in something, I can tell because there'll be enthusiasm and they, they, they can't do anything else. You'll see it. Yep. And then I'll start teaching and Melanie will cut me loose on them too. Normally I sit back until she gives me the green light. If they want to go into the military, I'll, I'll get them ready. Okay. That, that's, I have to do that. I mean, that's, that's kind of my deal. They have discipline in this house regardless, but I'm like any other parent. You know, man, I want you to be a doctor. You know, yeah. I want you to be I have a feeling that if any of our kids are going to be in the military, it's going to be our only daughter. It'll be my daughter, Space Force. <laughs> so I, I, I'm not even kidding. Janet, she'll be, you watch she, that name, you'll hear it again. It'll be for my daughter. She's feisty. Duh. She's, definitely... I mean, I have daydreams about her flying into outer, with the, it's, it's, it's some, not my kid, my boy, right? He's going to be like a basketball player or a doctor or something. But my daughter, when she comes around me for whatever reason, I can feel it. Mm-hmm. She and she's a fighter. Man. She she's the youngest, so she's not afraid to fight. I can't do nothing she about her either, you know. Her. She yeah. 
Do they know? Are they at a, an age yet that they they would start to understand what what you went through? They're just getting to that age. They're ten and eleven. Okay. Um, now, um, Hunter is twenty four now. Um, I told you that I had yes. a son when I met Marcus. He and he went through everything with us. He was at the movie set with us. He I can't believe at, he turned out the way he did. He's great. He just finished up. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like I came into his life. I'll never forget this. I knelt down when I saw him for the first time. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, buddy, this is gonna go good or real good." You understand me? Ah. No other way. Oh. I fell in love with your mother. You're my kid. <laughs> yeah. So, so that confuses a lot of people because they start doing the math because we always say our son. And um, But yes, he is 24 now and he graduated from LSU and he's doing really good. He's actually about to start working on our podcast. Nice. But, um, the, the young ones. They... The young ones are just now getting to the point where they understand it mm-hmm. and they they still don't really understand. It's like there's a degree of separation. They know that that happened, but they really just don't get that it was dad. Yes. Yeah. It was almost like it happened to somebody with him. Yep. Um. We actually took them to Coronado two years ago for the first time. We took them to the SEAL base, and uh, the Bud students were in their uniforms, running with the boats on top of their heads, and they were like, oh that is so cool. Look at those guys. And I said, you know, dad did the exact same thing. And they're like, no way. They just couldn't. Uh, I mean, they don't think I'm cool. Not that I ever was, but I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous. And truthfully in my family, the way it works is when we go to serve in the military, you get all that aggression, that badass side of you out and you come back so you can be the dad, the father and the grandpa. Like mm. I, I wanted my grandkids to think I could never imagine grandpa Matt. Mm. Like, he would never be violent. I'm getting to the stage now where I'm I'm almost 50, where I'll be wearing the long sleeves and the button down all the time. Like you won't see my paint anymore. So I, <laughs> I, I looked forward to those times. Yeah, I, I was that. I, I did that. Mm-hmm. But I had to spend the first part of my life trying to figure out what I was. So I get to this stage and um, I, I, I. Yeah, he definitely doesn't act like that at home. Like he's not a Navy SEAL. It threw, I mean, the books, I didn't want that. I wanted to be the quiet dude that just kind of slipped through and just did my part. That, it's a lifestyle. He mows every day. So the kids think he, they call him the groundskeeper. He mows the yard. Keep this place in check. <laughs> but um, they, uh, their friends are starting to say things. Right. And that's the big thing. Like Axe just went in, he just started junior high. And a lot of the kids are like, your dad is, you know, whatever. And he'd come home and say, so-and-so thinks dad's cool or whatever it's it's just now starting to hit them at school mm-hmm. but i've started I, I teach the miyagi way out here mm-hmm. and what yeah, is I'm that like, well i kind of show them i teach them something by teaching them showing them to do something else like hard work like and it's usually through work and, and you know the manual labor part and i also tell them i was like hey look you, you know you're gonna when they a come in like i had a hard day a lesson hard yeah a lesson through hard work and then i tell them Straight up, I was like, hey, look, your life's going to be difficult because you're my kid. You're my son. I was like, my life's hard. And I wanted it that way. I was like, in this family, we came down here to bleed and we, and we, co- and we collect scars. I was like, yeah, it seems scary right now. It does. And I, I was terrified of it. But I'm going to remind you that you're more beautiful and smarter than I ever was. I was like, and I'm here for you. I was like, I'm going to teach you everything I know. Hopefully some of it sticks, no matter what direction you go. 
And it's like some of the things that I try and teach you, the way I would say it would scare you. So I'm going to show you to do something. And through that, you're going to learn the lesson that I would have taught you. Mm-hmm. And I had to be taught that through my father, my granddad, all the team guys that trained me, all, all the, and I, I spent my whole life remembering that to turn around and to teach it back. You, you forget what you're wrapped in sometimes, even though I spent the first part of my life tra- trying to be terrifying. Now it's the one thing that works against me. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Talk about irony. I, I mean, it's, a, it's the one thing that works against me is, is, is the one thing that I spent the first part of my life trying to obtain. And you knew that you wanted to be a SEAL pretty early oh, on. Yeah, I came in early. There's no doubt about it. That's, that's the, I'm part of that cloth. Like God has a stable full of his wild children that he keeps outside. They don't even let them in the house. I'm part of that crew. So, uh, yeah, everyone always asks, like, how does a SEAL, one guy make it, one guy don't? If you had that answer, you'd save everyone billions of dollars and times and research. Yeah. Just know that we're, you know, we, we're cut from God. We're the wild ones. Well, Nate. They literally have what I've seen with seals going through buds or whatever. The one common denominator is they will not give up. It could be a scrawny 140 pound, you know, guy that doesn't work out or whatever. You don't have to be this like muscled out tall, you know, you don't have to be this huge guy who we think Navy seals are. That is not all Navy seals. A lot of them look like a banker. We look it's, like everybody. I mean, mm. we look like everybody. We got, one guy looks homeless. One guy looks yeah. like a banker. <laughs> one guy looks like a supermodel. I mean, and a it, surfer it, or whatever. I mean, everybody. The common denominator, hundred percent, is the nev- they will not quit, no matter what. I mean, these instructors beat you mentally <laughs> more than physically. some of the guys that walk in this house. Not only do they not look like seals, you don't want them to be seals because of the way they look. Hmm. <laughs> It's, it's, it's funniest thing and the dynamic when those person that, and the, the best part about the training is it beats all that, 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 your ego. yeah, that's in that social status thing out of well, like you. Ego. Yeah. yeah well, it does do that. <laughs> but like, you don't care because in our community, you got one kid, his dad's a billionaire. And then the next kid, he was poor. Yeah. Like grew up in a foster, grew, home. Yeah, in a foster home with beat his whole life and they're best buddies. I mean, best friends inseparable. And then all through that, doctors, kids, astronauts, it doesn't matter. It's just. And those are true stories. Like Eric, yeah. it's not a, a private thing. Like Eric yeah, Prince was, was a, literally a billionaire and went through buds, not telling anyone the kind of family he came from, drove a beat up, you know, whatever mm-hmm. through the whole thing to not let anyone know who he was. And then ends up, you know, he, he went through yeah. he became a seal it's, and- it is it's most fun because it went like yeah. you see those guys who have all that money and like, they'll drive the worst cars like the bead would wear a button-down hawaiian shirt with flip-flop you never know mm-hmm. they just because they don't care it doesn't doesn't matter that kind of stuff doesn't matter to us anymore it's just a serving heart is what it is yes, ma'am. Yes, yeah ma'am. serving heart that won't quit under any any circumstance yeah i believe you're born with it tell me about your faith um you know Melanie told me that you went to service on 9-11 and, and I love that about you guys that, that you do, you know, that you live a life of faith. We, um, so I grew up Catholic and Marcus just grew up as a believer. He didn't really grow up in church. Um, and I never even thought about like pushing my, uh, denomination on him. But last year, it just kind of fell into place. I told him I wanted to start like 
going to church weekly and I didn't tell him he had to go. He right. just started going with me. And then his mom started going with me and you know, obviously the kids are going and um and Marcus had so many questions that I couldn't answer because I grew up in it. But when you grow up in it, you just don't know all of the answers. You just believe everything. Yep. So um, there's a class called RCIA that anybody can take just to learn about Catholicism. And um, Marcus and his mom went through it. And at the end, they got their baptism, communion, and confirmation all in the same weekend. It was all on Easter, and him and his mom both did it together. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it's, 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 now looking back at it, it's, like, some of us in the family, God kicks far, far away, like, far away. I mean, you kind of know something, like, you believe, right, but you don't have any, it's like studying a martial art without, without anybody training you. Hmm. And, and just kind of life presents that. And then the situations like, okay, I, I get this. And I, then I don't get it. And then I think I know something. And then I'm like, well, I don't know it. And I just kind of ages rank. And as you go through life, you realize, man, th- there is kind of a pattern, especially if you, if you notice it and you pattern it, you stay with it. You kind of just never quit. And I always had that, like I said, pure heart, wicked mind. That's, that's the way it worked with me. And then I walked <laughs> I beat my body to death my whole life and trying to learn as much as I could. And it's almost as if, if you go to a gym to train your body, you know what that does, mm-hmm. but you go to a schoolhouse, you train your mind. You know what that does. Do you have any idea what going into a church house will, how it trains your spirit, what that will do. Mm. And most people don't train all three of those at all. They'll train just one. Some people just go to the gym, be body people, athletics, whatever. Some people just spend their whole time in school or some people just spend their whole time in church. Well, I've been through the other two. And I when I walked in, this guy goes, uh, it's all about how they sold it on me. This guy <laughs> goes, not trying to sell it. No, no, but it was great because he goes, and what's telling me is this way he says, like, you know, the Bible stands for basic instructions before you leave earth. And I was like, that's the cleverest thing I've ever heard. I was like, okay. And it isn't when you hear it and he started talking, and what happened was, was like, all right, so you hear script all the time in scripture, and life is a movie and it's playing out. It's like, all right, so there's and there's characters throughout time, we have reference of it. There's things that have written in that book that have happened modern day, and they pointed that out. And I was trained to see signs my whole life in the SEAL teams. I'm a reconnaissance guy. And it was just like little steps, little things that I saw. What they don't tell you is, is that as you start to practice that and you kind of get back into it, you get you you learn how it works. And like learning a martial art, how you start and how you, it's a lifelong process. And he would just get little God winks like throughout the year. And he would recognize those signs as yeah. something from God. And, and he didn't mess with me my whole life. <laughs> and t- but, 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 let me tell you something. There's people like, oh, I kind of believe in God. I was like, okay, well, then he hadn't talked to you yet. Or you're not listening. Or you're not listening. Yeah. One of the two. Because when he gets your attention, you trust me, I, when, I, when he got my attention, he had it. <laughs> and then it was just a matter of kind of Kurt telling everything around and letting it, let him let God guide your path. There's a difference between waking up and you want to make God laugh. Tell him what you're going to do tomorrow. Tell him your plans. I hurt when someone told me that the other day, I started laughing. I was like, yeah, that's exactly right. But what's cool about Marcus and he won't brag on himself, but I'll brag on him. Um, he got immediately just so drawn to the service within church, to like actually serving people. Yeah. And then there was, Normally on Friday mornings, Marcus would go eat um, with his friends. There's like a little tiny hole in the wall restaurant in our town. And he would go 
eat with them after he dropped off the kids. But he wouldn't come home until like two o'clock. And I'm not one of those prying wives. It's like, where have you been? What are you doing? So a couple Fridays go on and I'm thinking, what in the world is he doing until two o'clock? And then I went up to the church one Friday to drop something off and I saw his truck there. I said, what in the world are you doing at church on Friday? And he said, oh, I'm serving with St. Vincent de Paul, which is like basically a food pantry. And I said, what? What are you doing? He never told me. He was just every Friday that I had no idea where he was. He was actually serving at the food pantry. And you can cut that far. You don't have to put that. No, it just shows his his faithful heart in that the church for us and our faith, our faith goes hand in hand with the church, is that Marcus has a servant's heart. Yeah. And it has been renewed through the church. It's really awesome. Yeah, so my faith brought me to the church and the church showed me how to serve. That's how that's the only way I kind of as of right now, I'm still learning this as we go. I'm learning so much every day actually but um every time i do something i get something in return i'm starting mm-hmm. to see that now and no one ever told me that yeah mm-hmm. I, I didn't i didn't know if you don't know what you don't know then even if someone kind of haphazardly tells you you just like okay i mean it wasn't time in my life for me to be in that part i had i was a, a warfighter mm-hmm. and i you know it's just it's it's been a great experience i mean it's opened up my life and this is one of those deals. So in the past, I, if I had to tell you about myself, I kind of give you my credentials. Now, if you ask about me, I was like, why don't you just watch? I'm not going to tell you anything. Yeah. If you think it's working, you'll see it. Yeah. Otherwise, I can't go around telling you that I've changed and that I'm here and this, that, and the other, man. I, I'm just going to go do my thing. You watch. And you tell me. We've known each other a long time now. I love watching you. I love watching both of you. I, I'm so glad I met you. Uh, you make me a better person. And to be continued um, because uh, I want to hear more. So I thank you both for being here today. And Marcus, I thank you for your service. I give you my weather update every, like if you need something to plug in in your podcast for a second, just be like, Marcus, go go outside right now and do a weather update. You do a weather update right now. Give it to me. Give it to me. It is sunny and warm. (laughs) Hired. You're hired. And beautiful, sunny and warm and beautiful. That's all you need to know. Get outside and enjoy the day. <laughs> Get outside and enjoy the day. I love it. I love it. That's the way we're going to wrap it up. Marcus and Melanie Luttrell, I love you guys. And, uh, you know, keep shining. Keep spreading sunshine. Love you. Thanks for having us on. Thank you, Marcus and Melanie Luttrell, for your time today. And I'll be sure to thank Brian Kilmeade for making this interview happen. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram, or you can rate this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.